Thank you all for sharing, those of you who did, and um, just appreciate that. Appreciate your prayers for the message this morning. So I mentioned that um, we're talking here about crying out to God. There are times when you cry out to God for help or for praise. But often when we think about this, it's more of a cry for help in time of need or time of struggle. And I'm thinking when I think about crying out to God, I'm not thinking about a prayer where we, you know, pray and we say, well, God, thank you for the day. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Help us have a good day and amen. And then we go about our day. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but I'm saying I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I found it interesting when I was looking into this that the first time it Something is mentioned about crying out to God in the Bible. It's kind of surprising to me a little bit. Can someone tell me, it's, uh, kind of almost a trick question, first time something or someone cried out to God in the Bible? First record we have of that. What's that? Cain and Abel, you're close. You're right. Abel's blood, Exactly. It's interesting that the first time we have record of something crying out to God was the blood from a murdered person. And let's just turn to that, because I I found something there kind of interesting, that in um, Genesis chapter 4, I'll just read verses 8 through 10. It says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And so sometimes maybe we can't cry. Maybe it's our prayers even after we've passed away. Or maybe something has happened to us and and we don't have that ability to cry out. But yet God still sees and hears the injustices that go on and that happen. But it's interesting if you go on down here to verse 13. and, And this is after God told him what his punishment would be. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. In a sense, now Cain is crying out to God saying, my punishment is too much. I can't take this. And I think some of us find ourselves in those situations sometimes or maybe something that we've done and the results of it may be long lasting. And we struggle with that and we're like, God, I can't take this anymore. But we have to remember there is a principle of sowing and reaping. And yet, And we'll see this in another passage that we look at. Sometimes God even helps us in those situations, and he did here. God put some kind of a sign on him that other people wouldn't slay him. And so he went out from there and basically built a city and went on from there. But there was that sowing and reaping principle. I also found it interesting that 
sometimes we maybe have this idea that, turn to Revelation chapter 6, once we are, um, once we have died, that we would not cry out to God for anything. And I'm not exactly sure how all this fits in. And, I, and this is I, prior to what I would say is the end of all things. And yet, in Revelation chapter 6, in verse 10, it says, um, well, let's look at verse 9. And when they had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and the, for the testimony which they held. And in verse 10, it says, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, doest thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So here are the martyrs. I'm not sure if this represents all the martyrs from the beginning, uh, all the way up until current, but they're crying out to God. How long until you avenge for us? And then... Often I'm afraid people, and we can do the same thing, we can, instead of crying out to the Lord, we can revert to some of the strangest things sometimes for help. If you go on down in verse 16, it says, and it doesn't say they cry out, but it's interesting that when God begins to put his wrath upon the earth, it says, and... Um, Verse 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains, the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? Instead of crying out to God, they cried out to the rocks and the mountains take us, fall on us, get rid of us. Let's go back to Numbers, the book of Numbers. So I don't know what could be going on in your life right now that you might be crying out to God for help or strength or something that, that you're facing. In Numbers chapter 12, Starting at verse 10, prior to this is a story where Miriam and Aaron are frustrated that Moses married an Ethiopian woman and, and they were upset at him and they began to question his authority and basically say, well, um, why can't we receive things from the Lord? Why can't we do this and why can't we do that? And, and Miriam was probably the most highly respected or maybe had the top position of any woman in the children of Israel at this time. And Aaron, of course, his position. So they were, they were basically saying, hey, we have just as much right to hear from God as you do, in a sense, because they were upset at him. And God saw what was going on. He heard what was going on. And so he comes down in a pillar of smoke and goes to the tabernacle. He says, Basically, I want, to, I want Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, you all show up. We're, we're, I want you there. And God basically put out, he talked to them, spoke to them. In verse 10, And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous 
white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord. Suddenly, Aaron has a different level of respect for his brother here. I beseech thee, or I beg thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let not her be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of the mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord. Notice, Moses cried unto the Lord. This isn't the only time the scripture mentions Moses crying to the Lord. But he said, Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. The Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, she should not be a should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not until Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. Now, I tried to find out a little bit more about that. If her father had but spit in her face, uh, she should be ashamed seven days, and different people have some different ideas on that. But the idea apparently was if she had done something to her father, something she had done that was wrong, and this would have been a thing that he would have shown um, contempt or he was upset at her or frustrated or something, she would have a time of being where she should be ashamed of what she did, of reproach. And so in this case, she had done something against Moses and against God, and he's saying, so there's going to be seven days. But what I find interesting about this is sometimes we may cry out to God on behalf of someone else. In this case, it was on behalf of someone else's punishment. Moses didn't cry out to God and say, God, they really didn't do anything wrong. It's, it, no, they didn't do anything bad. Just, hey, what are, what, what's the big deal here? No, he recognized they had done something. As a matter of fact, what's interesting, the sin was not only against God, it was against him directly. And yet he cried out to God and, and asked that her, she be not punished or that the punishment would be able to be uh, born in this case. And God heard that, and God listened. And yet there was a sense of a measure of justice that God had. And yet, I believe, had Moses not cried out, uh, Miriam may have had leprosy until she died. We, we don't know that. doesn't specifically say that. But it does say that Moses cried unto the Lord. So maybe there's a situation in your life where someone else is facing things because of choices they've made. And it looks bad. It looks horrible. And maybe it even was things that came against you. And yet you can cry out to God and say, God, please forgive them. Um, don't make it unbearable for them. And that's what Moses did in this case, where he cried out in that way. Turn to Exodus chapter 17. Sometimes we cry out to God when we are fearing other people or fearing man. In Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 1, 
says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeyings, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt, to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. Then he gives Moses directions on how to get water out of the rock, and they had water to drink. Have you ever cried out to the Lord because you're afraid of people? I don't know that I've ever been in a situation where people were about ready to stone me. Uh, Maybe you felt that way sometimes. Maybe people have stoned you with their words or with their ideas or with their talking or whatever it might be that you feel like you're being stoned, but... Moses was afraid he was going to be stoned here. But what's interesting is, if you look at verse 1, it says that that after their journeyings, according to the commandment of the Lord, they pitched their tent here. Uh, It was not Moses that said, let's just go over here and pitch our tent. They were following God's leading on where to go. And yet... Moses ended up being the one to catch it when there was no water. Well, he was the leader, and they came after him. And frankly, if you get all those people someplace and there's no water, frankly, after so many hours out there in the desert, I wouldn't have been very happy either. I, I might have been ready to stone Moses too. I don't know. But Moses was in a tough situation. Here he was, their leader, and they were following God, and yet they were coming at him, And he cried out to God. And maybe this was a lesson for Moses. That it put him in a situation where he was afraid. And he cried out to God, what am I going to do? What shall I do? These people are upset. They're angry. And you know what? When he cried out to God, God gave him directions. And he did it. And the people were satisfied and they had water. I don't know how satisfied they were. It seemed like they were always grumbling about something. But they had water, and they did not stone Moses. So sometimes we cry out out of fearing men. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 26. And Deuteronomy 26 here is a reminder of what had happened back in Um, Egypt and it's under the idea of offering of the first fruits but why were they to offer the first fruits what was that about or what God reminds them here about what they what was happening and now how they should be thankful and so Starting at verse 1, I'll just read the first 11 verses here. And it says, of Deuteronomy 26, And it shall be when thou art come in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, and possesseth it, and dwelleth therein, 
that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou, hast, which thou shalt bring of thy land, that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall put it in a basket, and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to, uh, to place his name there. And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God, that I am come unto the uh, country which the Lord swear unto the fathers for to give us. Many times there is mentioned this land was given to you. And the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand and set it down and before the altar of the Lord thy God. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, A Syrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there uh, with a few and became there a nation, great, mighty, and populous. Now, notice what, notice what we're, the verses that we're getting into here. Because sometimes you may find yourself either afflicted or oppressed. Or maybe just the hard work and labor of life is getting the best of you. Now, I don't think any of you are making bricks and building things under slavery. But the point is, <clears throat> sometimes life just gets hard. And you get tired. Or maybe there are people who you feel like are oppressing you. Or maybe you're afflicted in some way. So let's notice here in verse um, 6. And the Egyptians evil entreated us and afflicted us. And laid upon us hard bondage or slavery. Notice what verse 7 says. And when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers... The Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. And he hath brought us unto this place and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me. Thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing that the Lord thy God hath given thee, unto thine house, and thou, and the Levite, and the stranger that is among you. I don't know. I read this passage, and I thought about something that I had never thought about before. And I realized it was prophesied how long they were going to be there. But the fact is, God knew what they would be like and when they would cry to him and all of that long before they went there. If they had cried unto the Lord sooner, would they have left sooner? I don't know. It doesn't necessarily say so. But it does say that they were being afflicted and they were being oppressed and the Egyptians were putting all this hard labor on them. And finally, it looks like they finally cried unto the Lord God of their fathers and God heard, their, God heard it. And it says he saw their affliction. He saw their oppression. He saw the bondage they were under and he got them out of Egypt. Now, maybe... He would have said, just wait, just wait a while. But I wonder sometimes if, if that's our problem. We, we wait and we wait when we're in these situations to really cry out to God for help. We can do it. 
I can build these bricks. I can do this. I can do it. Oh, you can't oppress me. I'm tough, blah, 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 blah. Instead of crying out to God because he sees the affliction, the oppression, and the labor that we're under. When I'm saying labor, I'm thinking about just life more than actual physical. But once we have been delivered and God gives us things that we didn't necessarily work for or deserve, let's remember to praise him and worship him like it, does, like it taught him here with the first fruits. Um, it says, and now we want to worship the Lord, it says here. Turn to the book of Joshua, a few pages over in your Bibles, to Joshua 24. We get to the book of Joshua 24 to the chapter here and it's basically Joshua's farewell address to the people and again he is reminding them of some things and sometimes we cry out to God when there is no other way out and sometimes in our lives there is no way for us to do anything. We find ourselves, sometimes we find ourselves in situations where there are things we can do to get out of the situation. Sometimes we're in situations where there is absolutely nothing we can do on our own strength. Now, what do we turn to? In Joshua 24, starting in verse 1, it says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood, or on the other side of the river. In old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt, and I sent Moses also an heir, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward I brought you out, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and ye came unto the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and with horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord... Notice they cried unto the Lord. There was nowhere out. There's an army coming on one side that they couldn't have beaten. And there's a sea on the other side. And maybe that's how you feel right now in your life. Maybe there's something that that's just what it seems like. And he says here that, And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them, and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And we could continue on there. But basically, when they got to a point where there was nothing they could do, they cried out to God, and God helped them. And if you look through the book of Judges, it's interesting. Many times in the book of Judges, when they're trying to take the land and so forth, it will say the sons of Israel cried unto the Lord, and God heard them. Let's go to the New Testament now. I want to look at a couple of examples there. 
Maybe um, it's a, a health issue in your life, or it could be different things, but I want to look at this particular man in Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> They're on their way to Jerusalem, eventually here, and they come to Jericho. And there's a man there by the name of Bartimaeus. And so in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, and, and that meant with a very loud voice. He cried out. I, I'm afraid if I do it like I think he did it here, I'd scare the children this morning. He was, he was blind, and he had a, a chance for this man that he heard about that heals blind people. And I have a feeling that Bartimaeus heard about these stories. He thought, could it really be that this person could make me to be able to see? And so he hears that he's coming, and he cried out, Say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more, and a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting off his way his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now, there's several things that kind of jump out to me in this passage. Do you think Jesus knew that Bartimaeus was along the road there before he ever started out of Jericho? I think, he, I think he knew where he was at. I think he knew all about him. <clears throat> Do you think Jesus would have healed him if he'd have sat over there quietly and not cried out to him for help? I don't think he would have. I think he'd have kept right on a walking. I find it interesting that people tried to get in this man's way of seeing Jesus. Here they are, his bunch of disciples, they're following him along, and eventually here he ends up in Jerusalem, a triumphal entry, all this kind of stuff. Boy, they're just praising him for all he could do, and all the miracles they had seen, and all this kind of stuff, and here's a blind man wanting help, and they're like, just be quiet, would you? You're making too much racket. I, I Several lessons to be learned in this passage is, first of all, we need to cry out to Jesus. Yes, he knows us. He knows the situation. He knows the affliction, the oppression, or whatever it might be. It might be a physical thing, like it was here. It may not be. And yet, we need to cry out. He wants to hear us come to him. And also, there may be people that will try to get in your way. Just like here. There may be people that will try to get in your way of getting to Jesus. 
and they might even be followers of Jesus, like here. Oh, that's such a little thing, or oh, Jesus isn't going to take care of it, or Jesus, or no, you're just whatever. I would encourage you to continue to reach out. And then I've always found this interesting. I, I heard years ago another speaker mention this, and it's, it's intrigued me ever since. So this blind man comes to Jesus. He's shouting for him. He's crying out for help. And he gets to Jesus, and Jesus says, What would you like for me to do for you? Seriously? And yet, Jesus wanted him to say what his problem was and ask for help, specifically. Sometimes maybe we go to Jesus and we're frustrated, upset about life, something, whatever it might be. I think God wants us to hear, I think he wants us to tell him specifically what is going on in your life. What do you want help for? What is it? And maybe you don't even know. If you don't know, tell him. But Bartimaeus knew what his problem was, and he said, well, I want to receive my sight. And he said, your faith has made you whole. Go. And it's interesting, Jesus did different things for different blind people as, in the ways to touch their eyes or make spittle on the ground of mud and cover their eyes and go wash it, different things. But he just tells Bartimaeus, your faith has made you whole. But Bartimaeus had to cry out to God first. He had to resist those that wanted to stop him to get to Jesus. And he had to be willing to say what, would, what he wanted. And he had to have the faith that God would take care of him. Now, maybe you say, well, you know what? I've had a health issue or I've had this kind of issue or I've had that kind of an issue and I've cried out to God. And I've not really... He hasn't taken it away, and I've told him what it is. Turn to 2 Corinthians, and I don't want to turn here in any way to hinder you from telling God what you want him to do in your life. It may be physical healing. Tell him. <clears throat> Paul told Jesus what he wanted, and he didn't do it just once. <clears throat> Paul says in first second corinthians 12 second corinthians he said um, and i think i said first so i'll let you get over to the next book second corinthians chapter 12 we're not looking at gifts right now we're looking at crying out so in second corinthians 12 he paul gives some of his credentials talks about who he was and so forth and yet he says um down in verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, things that God had shown him, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought, and that word besought there can be kind of that idea of crying out, seeking God, God, please, he said, I besought the Lord thrice, three times he did, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now, would Paul tell you not to cry out to God for help? I don't think so. He did it. And as a matter of fact, he healed, he prayed and healed other people. And one of his friends, he couldn't heal. He, he left him on a, I think it was an island. He left him there sick. Maybe it was at Miletus somewhere. He left one of his friends. He was concerned about him. I think he would tell you to cry out to God for help, even in physical needs. But he said, God didn't remove it from me. But what I want to tell you is the same thing Paul said here. If God does not remove it, his grace is sufficient. That's what it says here. That's what Paul learned through this. My grace is sufficient for you in this situation, in this time, right now. My grace is sufficient, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's what Jesus was telling him. God will give us the grace. Now I want to look at someone else yet that cried out to God. Actually, let's turn to Hebrews first, book we're studying in our Sunday school. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to look at this and then we'll go back to Matthew. Hebrews chapter 5. Verses 7 through 10. At the end of chapter 4 is that passage I refer to often where we can go to Jesus as our high priest because he's touched with how we feel about our infirmities, find grace, help in time of need. And if you go into the next chapter, starting at verse 7, it says, speaking of Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he was here on earth, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. In that, in that he was heard, in that he feared. Now I want to stop there. We'll go on just a little bit. Um, and we're going to go to Matthew where, where he cries out from the cross. <clears throat> but recently I was visiting with um, a brother, a, a minister, he's going to retire now. He was a minister in another state, lives in uh, northern Indiana now. And he has some health issues, and, and we, I just got to asking him how his health is doing and so forth. And, well, a little better, but he still has. He's got some underlying health issues. And he, he shared with me how one time, I think they were out at SM, that um, was somewhere for a minister's week thing or something. It might have been SMBI. And he was really struggling with some health, and he basically came to a point where he cried out to God and was like, God, are you even there? Now, this was a, a minister. Yes, we can feel that way too. And he was, he was really just like about ready to just give up. He was just about ready to give up. Is God even there? And then that morning, he was able to make it down to the chapel service and or one of the first talks, and another minister was there, and he shared about Jesus there when he cried 
my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And maybe we won't even turn to that passage. I'll just share. You know the passage where he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I, I don't understand that passage totally. And a lot of people have ideas on it, and I've never heard one that totally satisfies me. I know one thing it refers back. Anyone there, any Jewish person there would have probably thought immediately of Psalm 22 that starts out that way. And then goes on, and is probably the most prophetic psalm about Christ's crucifixion suffering of any. But nevertheless, Christ felt something there. And, he, and this uh, brother that was sharing with me said that this minister shared that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said, in a sense, so that Jesus could understand, even when we feel forsaken of God. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we wonder, where is God? Jesus, on uh, Mount of Olives, cried to God. And it says here that Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears to God, who could have saved him from death. But it says that he learned obedience through his suffering and through his death. How could a perfect God learn obedience? How could Jesus learn obedience? And yet, there's one thing about it. His father had not forsaken him. And Jesus won't forsake us. When we feel that way, we still need to cry out to God. Because it goes back over to chapter 4 there, where it does say that he understands because he went through everything like we do. He knows what it feels like. Verse 8 of of Hebrews 5 says, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Well, crying out to God takes several things, I believe. It takes humility. Turn to Psalms. Psalms chapter 9. Verse 12 says, When he maketh inquisition for blood, and it's kind of interesting, basically, when he is looking at shed blood and things that have happened and so forth, he remembereth them, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble doesn't say anything about the cry of the proud, but the cry of the humble. It takes humility to cry out to God, to recognize that we can't do everything on our own. In chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. And so, crying out to God takes several things. I believe it takes humility. 
It takes faith. Blind Bartimaeus was healed because of his faith. There's no point in crying out to God if we don't have faith that he can take care of us or that he can deal with the situation. And I believe it is also seeking God's word. Never cry out to God for some answer that is clearly given in God's word as a means of somehow skirting around what God has already told us. What is your, what's in your life that you need to cry out for? Is it an emotional situation? Maybe you're in some kind of a temptation that's plaguing you. Cry out to God for help. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's someone else and their needs or what they're going through or what they're doing to you. Maybe you're crying out for the church or for the nation or for um, a group of people or something, a situation, your family. God wants us to cry out to him in humility, in faith, and in seeking him. And Psalm 50 says this, Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thou vow, pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Notice we offer thanksgiving. We do what we're supposed to do, pay our vows, but it's unto the Most High. God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me when you have been delivered. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that we can come to you. Help us, Lord, to be willing to cry unto you when we have a need or when we have maybe someone else has a need or whatever it might be in our lives. Lord, help us to be willing to cry out to you. Thank you, God, that when we do that in faith, you hear us. And you know the things that we're going through even before we ask. But help us, Lord, to be willing to ask. And help us, Lord, to glorify you in whatever your answer may be for us. Help us to be willing to glorify you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.